guys got scared off first night he heard this stuff and he said i he just left a note for me he hightailed it out of there the next day and uh you can't leave at night it's just too wilderness and you don't even try so uh he came out and uh he was he was the wives were worried because at that time we don't know what you're dealing with if it's going to eat you or if they're one arguing about the salt and pepper they're going to put on you what what's happening you know they're going to carry you away in a sleeping bag uh we don't know uh, we don't know uh, we don't know Hey, welcome to Blurry Creatures. Um, Before we start this episode, I want you to listen to this. Our guest today recorded these in 1971, and this will be the sort of the basis of this whole episode of these recordings. Um, These were recorded in a camp in the Sierra Nevadas in 1971. They've been scientifically studied. They're not fakes. See what you think. got the guy who has the best Bigfoot audio there is, is that is known in this cryptid space. His name's Ron Moorhead. He's a researcher, author, producer, and uh, he's been on several documentaries. He's been on the BBC. He's been on the Learning Channel. I'm excited about this guest because he connects a lot of the things we're talking about today, but he has, this, he has the audio called the Sierra Sounds, and if you're in the Bigfoot space, you've heard that before. If you're not, these are some sounds that some guys recorded in the 70s that talk, and it's in our intro. Um, to our show, and who knew that we were going to get this guy on the show? 
it's just kind of funny that, that, that this whole thing is connecting. It seems like every week someone comes on and continues the story that the last guy left off on. And that's really weird because you and I aren't really, we're not trying to tell a narrative really. It's just kind of. No, it's just really, I mean, you're right. It has played out fantastically. And I, and I really like, I really like what Ron brings to the table in the sense that he, he has a, a breadth of knowledge across a lot of what we've talked about. He's actually been on tour with uh, Brian Forrester. You know, he's been everywhere from coast to coast radio to BBC TV, learning channel. He's an author. And of course he recorded those legendary sounds, which I would say is probably like right up there, the equal or the same standard as the, uh, the Patterson film when it comes to audio, you know, of Bigfoot. You know, we got the foot, we got the casting, we got the video, and now we got the audio. What does these things sound like? So we're going to bring on Ron Moorhead, who can connect a lot of this stuff because he's friends with Brian Forrester. He's been to Peru, too. So this episode, I think, is going to be uh, a big connection, and that's what we need. We always need those big connections. (laughs) You need the juice. We need the big connections. So we're excited about this one. Let's bring on Ron Moorhead. So, Ron, I'm excited to have you on the show today, and I'm not just saying that because, uh, you know, when you have a guest on a show, sometimes they know a lot about one particular thing, like they're an expert, which is great because that's what we're going for. But as you know, your episodes progress and your listeners are taken on this journey, you often need that conversation to connect uh, all the pieces. Our last few guests have been experts um, in their fields, and I've heard you talk about a lot of the stuff that they've been talking about, like burial mounds, elongated skulls. Or Bigfoot, giants in North America, uh, documented reports of these creatures. But it's just fascinating to me because we're doing the show, we're, we're casting a wide net to try to make sense of what Bigfoot is in relation to all these other things that nobody wants to talk about, like the giants and these elongated skulls. And sure enough, as I'm doing research on you, not only do you know all about Bigfoot and you have the best audio recordings of these creatures, but... You know, I'm hearing you talk about hanging out with Brian Forrester, who we had on the show three episodes ago. And it's just weird because, you know, we're doing this podcast and we're not trying to narrate this story to, to come out a specific way. But the connections between the guests and what you know. And I was talking to Luke yesterday. I'm like, man, we really need to kind of wrap up like the last six or seven episodes. We're talking about the burial mounds and the skulls. And then I'm, as I'm doing research on you, I'm like, unbelievable. Like, you're the guy who can connect all the things we've been talking to to Bigfoot. And right out of the gate, I wanted, to, I wanted to ask you, like, what are your thoughts on, I know you kind of came in contact with these creatures in 1971. What do you think about them now versus what you thought about them in 1971? Can you kind of tell us, like, how your view of Sasquatch has changed from then to now? Sure. Yeah, when they when they started coming into our camp in 1971, uh, we didn't really know what to think. We just knew they were something pretty big and pretty uh, loud and uh, pretty pretty uh, scary to start with. But uh, uh, really, it's a hunting camp. We weren't looking for Bigfoot. None of us were, and uh, uh, we just thought they were a very unusual ape-like creature, probably running around the forest. Uh, but they did have big five-toed footprints, and uh, that's 
not the kind you see an ape have, and there's no apes in North America anyway. It's not supposed to be up here, yeah, in California and Washington. So anyway, uh, yeah, that's how it started out. But then we started experiencing some pretty unusual phenomena around it, which we kind of just uh, well, that's unusual. You know, we we just weren't <laughs> weren't all yeah. We was excited, but it wasn't um, uh, that significant to us at the time, even though it was pretty interesting, really interesting. Until Al Berry got involved, he's the investigative reporter that we uh, uh, took in in 1972. And he started taking this very seriously, uh, where we were just up there hunting. And, uh, and maybe at nighttime when they come around, we'd set our recorders out so we'd get some, some kind of uh, documentation on it. And But he was uh, he was trying to figure out who could be hoaxing us, really. That was his objective. So how it's changed for me from then till now is uh, I really had to get serious about trying to figure out the the science, if there is a science behind the anomalies. And I think there's a rule or law for everything that exists. So Luke and I both grew up in Northern California, so we know kind of, uh, you know, the backyard of California. You can go hiking around and there's so vast and so much wilderness. And in 1971, you're out there with your buddies, you guys are hunting, and you think... At first, it's just a hoax, kind of go back to what you were saying. And then, I mean, it, which is kind of crazy to think. you got a bunch of hunters in the middle of nowhere with powerful weapons. Why would someone try to hoax you in the middle of nowhere? And uh, I don't think it's a hoax, personally. never even crossed my mind that it could be a hoax. But you guys are just so blown away by this experience that you, you think it's a hoax. So we got to figure out, we got to get to the bottom of this. And now you think it's more in the quantum space. But how many years went by before you were like, okay, we're not being hoaxed. And Let me that right quick. Okay. Uh, we didn't think we were being hoaxed. Al Berry, the investigative uh, reporter, was looking for a hoax. Oh, okay. Um, okay. Ivan Sanderson, we wrote a letter to Ivan Sanderson uh, in 1971, the winter of 71. And uh, Ivan Sanderson, who was a renowned uh, cryptozoologist, you may have heard about, he's passed away now, but he, he thought it was a hoax because uh, we gave him a full account of what was going on up there of, during the time of 71 when that was written. He sent it to a guy named Peter Byrne, who was out in the Oregon there at the Dowells, who had a Bigfoot Information Center, because he's into it also. You may have heard of him. He's quite the iconic figure in uh, some of these things. And Peter thought the same thing. It's a hoax. So he sent it down to Alberry. He said the same thing. It's probably a hoax. We might want to check these guys out. Alberry lived in California. I read him. He was working for a newspaper then. And he came down to interview us. And uh, he got caught up in it, even though he was still looking for who could be pulling us off, because this kind of stuff doesn't happen. <laughs> no one's ever reported something like this. Yeah. So uh, we ended up letting him go in or taking him in in 1972. And he started getting wrapped up in it, but he was still looking for who could be tricking, who could be doing this. We're eight miles into the wilderness at 8,400 feet elevation. You can't get in there in the wintertime because it's a snow load. And uh, how does anyone know when you're coming, number one? And up there trying to trick you. They, they leave no signs. We took a Florofanta study up there with a, a biologist one time looking for signs just at the advice of a scientist. We knew what we were dealing with. We didn't know what we were dealing with. We knew we were dealing with something that was real. It wasn't somebody hoaxing us. We didn't. We were getting yeah. glimpses of them every once in a while, rarely, but every once in a while. And and they move so fast. Uh, and the sounds were so dynamic. I mean, they blow your your head off just about so you had to have some kind of a speaker that one heck of a magnet in it you know to make that kind of a sound anyway uh we didn't think it was a hoax but alberry did until he finally realized hey, this can't be happening but he looked every avenue possible trying to see he went through our packs when we was out walking around uh, he told me later on 
we became friends and uh, he, he passed away. All, all of us are passing away, by the way. I hope, I'm glad people are getting this story because uh, it's, it's a real story. It really did happen. And uh, I think some people, researchers especially, should pay attention because we've had the science. What makes these sounds more unique than somebody just saying, we heard these sounds, record them, is we have some science behind them. We, uh, Al yeah. Berry took his recordings that he made of these things. He took them and finally got uh, Dr. Curlin a professor of electrical engineering at the University of Wyoming to study them unbiasedly, just to tell him, is this true? Can this, is this real or is this not real? Well, he had original tapes, gave them to him, and uh, he studied them and came out with a statement. They've not been manipulated. They've not been slowed down. They've not been speeded up. They, here's the average uh, human range, and uh, they go above it, they go in it, and they go below it. Their range is something humans can't do. He wrote his article his paper and put it in a book, Man Like Monsters on Trial. And uh, he's indisputable. I mean, this guy has wrote over a hundred uh, professional papers. He's, he's uh, retired now, but my gosh, uh, you get people, scientists who look at that, and they, they just have the paradigm, it can't be like that. It's got to be an ape in the woods. That just has to be like that. It has to be something mm -hmm. that this came across from the, the land bridge. It has to be a remnant of Gigantopithecus. Any DNA that's done, well, it has to be contaminated because it can't be something like, like they're saying it is. So it's kind of gotten from there. Uh, I, Al told me, finally, he said, with a master's degree in science he had, he said, whatever you do, stay with science. Don't talk about the crazy things that goes on up here. <laughs> and, uh, and just don't, yeah. or the, you'll lose respect. And he was right. So for a long time, we didn't talk about that stuff. But I do now, and I have for quite some time. I know I asked um, these professors I was with over in Russia one morning at breakfast. I said, uh, I said, uh, what do you think about quantum physics being involved in this? And they looked at me and said, don't even talk to us about quantum physics. <laughs> they can't get yeah. there. It's not within their disciplines. They've been trained to think within this box of disciplines. And if it doesn't fit within that box, it's not real. It can't be. So uh, there's where I go with it because they're wrong. Uh, it does fit outside that box. So I'm outside the box, and you'll find as we talk that that my my theories and my uh, my thoughts on this uh, matter is, is goes a little bit deeper than the box. Did you have anything? Because like I was talking to Dr. Jeff Maldrum about this, that like maybe scientists need some sort of a pilgrimage they need to go on to think outside of the box. What happened? In, what does, what are some things in your life that got you? To a place where you could consider this because it takes some people years and years and years before they can even have a discussion about bigfoot let alone quantum physics <laughs> let alone aliens and stuff like that was there anything that happened in your life that opened your mind to be able to accept this information or did, or, or were you just like out in the woods hunting you had never thought about this stuff and all of a sudden you hear this and you it's undeniable and you're like oh what else is out there well yeah i kind of let you know that something with a big foot is out there we don't know what they are but they certainly leave a big track they got a big voice and they move very very fast and they're huge uh so it has to, you have to open your mind up when this stuff happens so you can't just say well okay but you didn't believe in bigfoot before that i didn't disbelieve or believe i mean i didn't we weren't thinking about bigfoot uh, i hadn't become a i did i came in, i became a hunter during the winter of 71 i wasn't up there hunting when this happened a couple mm. of guys who have been going there since the 50s. Uh, yeah. They were the main hunters of the group. They were older than me. And uh, they they had this encounter one night and came out and told the other guys who were hunting with them. I were friends with them all. And uh, they went back up uh, with all of them did and uh, took tape recorders and uh, some of them did. And 
they were late coming back, one of the guys got scared off first night. He heard this stuff and he said, I, he just left a note for him. He hightailed it out of there the next day. <laughs> and uh, you can't leave at night. It's just too wilderness and you don't even try. Yeah. So, uh, he came out and uh, he was, he was, the wives were worried because at that time, we don't know what you're dealing with. If it's going to eat you or if they're one, arguing about the salt and pepper they're going to put on you, what, what's happening? You know, they're going to carry you away in a sleeping bag. Uh, we don't know. Didn't know. Nobody knew. So he wouldn't go back by himself. He he asked me to go with him. They all concurred because then we're late coming out. And uh, we went back up there and just got there and they were packing up. So they were okay. But uh, that's gave me my first clue into that got me into the group because then I knew where the camp was and, and yeah. I was good friends with them. And of course, but that, that's when I decided I'm going to become a hunter because I want to be part of this. I want to find out what's what's really going on. This is, this is exciting. <laughs> so they were chatting about it since the fifties, 58 was the time they, they went up there and they were kind of mentioning it to friends like, Hey, there's some weird stuff going on up there. How long did, did it, or were they still kind of sheepish to tell people? Oh, nothing happened before 71. At least okay. I okay. shouldn't say nothing happened. Nothing happened because they weren't thinking about Bigfoot. They didn't believe in it. They, they stopped, yeah. you know, whatever. And They've been going the, up there since the 50s. Basically. Yeah, and uh, uh, just the things that were happening, they kind of contributed to other things like a bear or something like that. But when the sounds happened, when one of them knocked over some cans and did something that night, when they, Warren Johnson, who was one of the men, he, he thought that uh, one of them got burnt on some hot tea that was up there. And that's kind of ramped him off. And then they heard all this chattering going on between a couple of them. And they thought, that's not a bear. They're avid hunters. I mean, these guys could shoot the head off a gnat at 50 yards. <laughs> yeah. Really, really, really amazing hunters. They love doing them. They do it all. That's how it all began. And the enigmas associated with it is what really drew me into wanting, sooner or later, I got to figure this out. Because if there's a science behind it, there's a rule behind everything. I think a law or some type of natural law. Um, the phenomenon, the miracle, stuff like that. Uh, there's just a rule behind it that that tells you how it happens. And uh, you know, you got biblical accounts of how that stuff happens. You got phys physics say that nothing's real until it's observed. You get into all kinds of uh, philosophies on this, and, and you, you just gotta. I, I just got one of those minds that's like so many people do that has to work towards figuring this out so it got me into quantum physics because that seems to answer things i started interviewing people over the years and interviewed a lot of people who claim they saw them disappear they claim the trackway stopped you know all of a sudden there's no more tracks well you think well it's a hoax well no they didn't see it disappear it went into the woods that's all happened well can they disappear can that really happen i've heard some really credible people say they just seen it wave up like a right in the middle of a meadow and just disappear well, how does that, is there a science behind that? There has to be some type of science. The science behind all that stuff is matter to energy, energy, frequency, vibration. You get into studying that stuff in quantum physics, you realize everything at the most minute level is energy. All life forms are energy. And if your matter changes into energy, which by the way happens, uh, according to Stephen Hawkins, uh, nothing can die, it only changes forms, according to Einstein too. Your body, which we're inhabiting, and basically we're who we really are. Now, I don't want to sound religious here because I'm not religious, even though I was, rela I was raised religiously in, in the church, and I know scriptures pretty well. And that's why my book, the second title, is bringing science and spirituality back together. Because I say back together because that's the way they were originally intended. They weren't supposed to be divided like they are now. 
and science put in a box and they're restricted like they are. So that got me into it. I, I looked, the first place I looked was in the Bible, trying to find out where, where giants came from. And I started getting into Greek mythology, getting into all the, all the cultures throughout, even Native American culture, you know, they talk about how these things live in two worlds, how they disappear. And you got to try to, is there a core of truth to this stuff? How does it, how does it happen? All nations, I'm talking too much and too fast. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to backtrack. So Ron, what, what type of, when we talk about the enigma and the things that happened around this, other than just the, the sounds, what is it that made, that started you down this, this path? Uh, I mean, were there lights, were there other phenomena that made you think this isn't, this isn't just a, you know, a giant ape that's just not supposed to be here. This is something else. Well, this other phenomena was happening. Lights. Yes, there was lights falling around up there sometimes. I seen a big blue light come down from the sky one time. I think it was a UFO. I mean, what else could be it was controlled? It didn't just fall. It was manipulating down huge. And uh, you hear sometimes you hear a big humming sound above you in the daytime, and you look up and you don't see any of the source of it. You can't find it. But what's causing it? It's like a, a five-ton hummingbird. You know, you don't know. And uh, you got our camp one time. We thought it was being tore apart. We was inside the shelter, and uh, we thought, man, something's really. You look out there, and nothing's changed. Well that didn't make sense because it sounded like our cans were being thrown around our barrels were being ripped off the trees we hauled in with mules and you, you think something's really turned things up you want to find out what's going on so you finally look out there when it stops thinking you're going to see a mess and nothing's changed well how do you explain that you know how do you explain <laughs> the sound of a car door slamming outside you know when there's yeah. there's no way you can even get a bike up there much less a car much less yeah so so Mel meldrum talked about they have a maybe they have a thousand square mile radius they can communicate and then uh our, our, another guest duke sullivan said they can mimic sounds like logging trucks and all kinds of things so do you think they're just out in the woods making mimicking sounds to scare you guys half to death and then you look out and there's nothing it's like wait nothing actually moved or was touched well it's established pretty much that their vocal mechanism is way beyond what we can do so i think yeah they can make sounds like that so that's pretty unique uh, which r requires something besides just our two vocal cords. Uh, Jeff Meldrum and I, we've talked about this a lot, and not a lot, but enough to where I know where he stands. He's a good man, by the way. I like Jeff. But he's really into Newtonian physics and his discipline, uh, and he has to stay there, which I understand that too. And uh, But I'm not. I'm not a physicist. I don't have to worry about anything or anybody. I just say what happened, and this is way. Yeah. And what I think is, is what I think. And you have that sound, those sounds going on. Sometimes one of the guys said he heard a, a herd of horses coming down towards camp this in daytime. Well, that's not happening. There just wasn't happening. And, and how, do, how do they do that? And sometimes you hear these sounds. I mean, I'm laying there in a sleeping bag with my headset on, listening to my two stereo microphones, one on each side of the shelter, sticking through the wood cracks. And you hear these uh, footprint steps just coming around you, and you're waiting for the the light to break in the cracks of the logs and it never happens and i thought well when when am i going to really see one of these things and they're not they're not that easy to see so I've, I've wondered because i've had all these people over the years too tell me they saw them disappear credible people uh, some people weren't but some people were and can they all be lying or did this really happen in that missing 401 the hunted that uh, david plotty's filming in here recently uh, yeah. 2018 
um, there's a segment right after my segment on there about this uh, lady who saw this pixelization yeah, felt a yeah, predator, I that. a predator. Well, I, I know a person here, very, very credible, very intelligent, uh, everything saw the same thing and try mm. where somebody else seen it physically. So it's really uh, kind of unique. Nobody's looking for Bigfoot, by the way, when this happened. Right. Uh, I'm just saying that there's more to these things than meets our three-dimensional eyes. We live in a three-dimensional environment, and there's more. According to quantum physics, there's 11 dimensions that's been established by the math, and you can only disprove it by disproving mathematically, and they haven't been able to do that. So most physicists uh, believe that there's 11 dimensions at least, and we only live in three. So what's going on in the other dimensions is the question. So I think probably they have an attribute that's been given to them. If you want to get into UFOs, I'll do this, but I don't know. Before we get into UFOs, I'd like to get into the Giants because we've been talking about the Giants a lot. One of our uh, guests had 700 documented newspaper accounts that he's been collecting over 10 years. Mm -hmm. From 1850 to like 1940, right before the Roswell crash, they kind of all stopped being reported, Mm -hmm. these giant bone discoveries. And then we brought on uh, our buddy Fritz Zimmerman, who went to 700 burial mounds in North America and documented them over 15 years. All these henges and weird geometrical shapes here in america that they're not really being recognized and so there's all this talk of giants and i know that you 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 went to peru it sounded like to to look at these skulls uh that brian forrester had to try to make some connections between bigfoot so what is is bigfoot a giant and is he related to the giants because i think on our show our listeners are probably already where, where i think luke and i are that the giants were here and there's so much evidence for that is bigfoot connected to that yeah i think so uh I went to Peru with L.A. Missoula, who we, we got with Brian a couple times down there, and Brian took us around. By the way, fantastic. Um, he's got some really interesting books. The guy knows more about uh, Peru probably than the locals do. Yeah. <laughs> he lives in yeah. Paracas. And I yeah. went to the museums there, and we, we weighed the skulls, had two different scientists on two different expeditions, two different years, and uh, they both con- con- uh, said the same thing. These things are not manipulated. They were not cradleboarded. They were not course you've heard all this so i don't need to repeat it but they have a yeah. single parietal we have two they're not human and uh, they're not totally human anyway they're i think uh, probably a hybrid and that's probably where i go with bigfoot i went down there with uh with uh, the intention of finding out if these elongated skulls had anything to do with the sagittal crest that's reported so often on bigfoot up here these giants and uh sure enough you find out they have a story in in south america about warring with the uh, aztec and the mayans in uh, Central America, then Central America, you got the stories of them warring with giants in the north, which took me up to Lovelock Caves. Been there four times, trying to research, trying to get some access to the what they found there in the 1911 when they started excavating the bat guana out of the cave. And uh, it's just, uh, it's all been covered up and taken away now. They won't let you see it. I went to a museum, I wrote to BLM, I, I did all that, and no, they were just robust people. There's no giants around here. Well, yeah, they they lie to us. I'm, I've got to tell you, these these the government lies to, or they cover it up. They just don't tell you everything. Like all you're you're talking about all these mounds and things that are in North America. That's hush hush. You know, they don't seem to want to acknowledge that. But other Why? countries. Why? Why do you think? Why well, because it, so? it throws a kink into Darwinism and it throws a kink into religion. It's going to rewrite history. All that stuff is uh, is not what we've been taught in grade school, and it's not what what people are being have been told all their lives. So. They have to just cough it up. They're so deep into the lie now and into the cover-up, they can't, they just can't. Uh, yeah, I've heard the Catholic Church is like, 
behind a lot of these bone removals and stuff. So, like, I mean, it's funny because you're thinking the Bible supports these giants. Why is the Catholic Church uh, involved in the cover-up of this stuff? I know that I know I understand what the government is. Government likes to keep us happy workers and keep us in our little cubicles 24-7 and not think about anything crazy and go home and consume. That's all they want us to do. It seems that really, that's how you make a nice society. But, um, but I, I wonder why. What, what's the kink in religion that you were talking about? Well, religions uh, have been brainwashed also. <laughs> and if you read my book, The Quantum Bigfoot, I, I kind of come down on it. I've been hit on by some religious people who think I shouldn't have done that. But really, you get into uh, the rules and get into what's really gone on throughout the history of the uh, biblical writings and the, the translations and whatever king was in charge, the government does control the narrative of the people. That's how they control the people, by controlling the narrative. And I think governments have done that throughout throughout the whole history of the, of the earth, really. Uh, but mainly the Bible, when, depending on what king was in charge and what he wanted in and out, what he didn't want in the Bible, like the book of Enoch, which talks about giants and how they became about, isn't even canonized. It's not even in the new. And it wasn't even discovered until they found it in Ethiopia. Then they found it again in the Dead Sea Scrolls. Uh, so mm. there's just uh, a lot that you, if you just start studying this stuff and looking into it, you find out what's really gone on. And it's quite interesting to delve into it. And I, I get excited about it. So if I talk too fast, just give me another cup of coffee. So, Ron, to bring that full circle then, if we're talking about giants, then we're obviously talking about Nephilim and and the creation of these, you know, hybrid beings. And that, that in your mind, also connects to Bigfoot and the connection there is quantum physics. If there's a, and just for very basic, in the, in, if there's a spiritual realm, that exists in one of these dimensions you would assume that we cannot see past the spectrum of of what we are able to see with light or the or the vibrational spectrum correct and so is that do you think that's a pretty good explanation then of of why we maybe this thing can cross and cross through or disappear or i think you know have all these weird (laughs) phenomena around it or well if we think about the eons and eons that aliens have probably been coming to this earth and if you've read up any of this stuff what they're finding all over the earth of these ancient mounds and different things that have been here for eons of time uh and unaccounted for i mean you get down to where brian was and where peru and bolivia and those places and see the enigmatic structures that's been put up by something that we don't have any idea how they did it how they did these way over 100 ton boulders put up on top of this thirteen thousand foot mountain put together like a jigsaw puzzle you can't even get a hair through through the there's no mortar. Uh, how'd they do that? Uh, so they, they had some attributes that we don't know how they did it. And we don't know what kind of attributes they had. And they, they was able to do these things. That's one reason I think the Incas cradle boarded their royalty of their youth, trying to get them the same attributes that the pre-Inca yeah. people had. Yeah. We talked about that a little bit that like, I, w- I asked Brian if he thought that they were just emulating what they were seeing. They were making their heads long because they were seeing the elongated heads and walking around. And he was like, yeah, I think so. They're just emulating this thing. And humans, we do that, right? We, we see something, we try to emulate it, try to be like that. Um, and, and, and that whole thing is, is fascinating. So you think, what, what about the, just the word gods instead of aliens? I mean, the, the Bible talks about lowercase g gods. Like don't, it tells the Israelites, don't enter into covenant with any other gods but me. And I think a lot of Christians have such a small view of the supernatural, the, the, the other dimensions that you talk about. 
that they can't even acknowledge that maybe there were other beings around. I mean, Christians believe that Yahweh is supreme of all these, right? But, but, but a lot of them, you, you Christians are the most skeptical when you when you try to say maybe these beings were influencing culture back then, and they're like, wait, what? What are you talking about? Yeah, yeah. Other things? <laughs> you can't change anything. The Bible says it's word for word, right? It woke me up when I found out in Hebrew the word for rope is exactly the same word for camel in the Greek uh, translation. They've uh, so they've, they've changed it. So when it says you can't go, th- uh, it's hard for a rich man to go through the uh, eye of a needle, then a camel go through the eye of a needle. Well, it really means a, a rope going through the eye. Now, what makes more sense, a rope or a camel going through the eye of a needle? Uh, you know, you hear all these different explanations, but that to me kind of woke me up to this research. And the word Elohim, which is the word for God, is plural in Genesis. So if you start looking at when he said, let us make man in our image, well, I don't disbelieve in, in Darwinism. In the, they, that's how our human bodies uh, evolved. But something changed the DNA in those tragledites and, and gave us our sapience, and gave us our cognizance, gave us what we are as human beings. And that happened in, in the book of Genesis. I think there's a difference between the first and second chapter. A lot of theologians say, oh, that's just a repeat of the first chapter. Well, when he created man, he didn't create him in his own image. But when he did it in the second chapter, he was restricted from things and he was created in the image of God. Well, God, again, is plural. So that means there was there was a... I think I think we're hybrids. <laughs> you know, we we have been created in that image, and we we seem to have uh, underestimated who we are as humans. I think because that image is the collective consciousness out there, and uh, I, I get really excited about this stuff because I, I think everybody needs to understand who they are and how blessed we are to be on this earth. This earth is a jewel of the solar system. All aliens want to be here. Why wouldn't they be? My gosh, it's got all the water. It's got plants. It's got specimens. It's got everything. Well, I, I, I mean, to push back on that a little bit, I think that, you know, a lot of Christians can't handle some of this theology because it is it gets into a little bit into the alien talk. But because, um, you know, as you look into this, you, th- you realize that at some point, all these these beings who are influencing the world kind of lost their power almost overnight. And some say that's what the crucifixion of Jesus did, is it sort of destroyed these beings, earthly domain where they didn't have the kind of power. Because some people say, well, if aliens are coming here, why are we still allowed to live? Why are we still able to carry on our lives? I mean, something's holding the world together, right? Well, <laughs> first of all, we've been given the dominion. Aliens haven't. This is not their place. This is our place. We're screwing it up. Christ tried to tell us how to, how to become one with the Father as he was one with the Father. And yeah. if you really want to get into religion like that, uh, I mean, I was raised that way, so I know scriptures, and and we <laughs> we are not everything we've got to evolve to be. We're not walking on water yet. We're not doing things that we should. Some some are. I mean, I haven't seen anybody. I get wet every time I try it. Just, <laughs> it don't work for me. But but I'm not evolved far enough. But I, I got to tell you, uh, I think aliens have definitely influenced the the, the DNA of different. Uh, different entities on this earth. You see these pictures in Egyptians, uh, 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 graphics that, of a dog's head on a man or a, a man's body on a horse's body and stuff like that. You wonder if there's a core truth to that. Well, they were messing around, I think, and practicing, trying to get their species acclimated to this environment because they don't, they don't, they're not from this environment. 
and and that's why they they do that stuff i think so i think there's a whole haberization program going on and i am a christian i'll make no bones about it i'm a i'm a christian i believe in christ i believe what he said and if you just read the red letter editions and, and try to put that together you realize what he's really talking about is he's using the laws of quantum physics to do his miracles there's really no such thing as miracles it's just understanding how it's done if you can get into the right vibration the right frequency of matter you can change matter and and you find this out when you start studying physics and it's just fun thing to look at and i wish i wish i could get people to open their minds up especially church people i mean i've talked to church people and it's hard i mean they've got they're locked in to how they were taught if you change any word in the Bible, you're going to go to hell. Well, golly, uh, that's pretty, that's not a loving God, is it? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot there and, in, in our show, we try to stay in the creatures realm. Um, but Luke and I both grew up in the church, so we know exactly what you're talking about. Oh, yeah. And uh, you try to push some of these, even just the giants. I mean, they can't even accept the giants. I've got, I took, friends I took a track. <laughs> I took a track one time to a church meeting. They asked me to talk about, <laughs> yeah, I took the uh, cast track and we took up yes, around yes, and yes, I talked yeah. about this. Right, right. I didn't get into the UFOs or aliens or nothing like that. I said, you know, here, here's this, what we're dealing with up there. So the Nephilim are here or a remnant of them. It's hard for some people to even get their head around how Bigfoot could exist, much less have a foot that size and be messing with us up in the mountains. But they knew me and they knew the other guy. I was a board member of, of a different church for a long, long, long time. And so was this other guy. And we were both going to this place. And and also one of the other members of the hunting group was going there. So we thought we, you know, we had a handle on this a little bit. But again, you, you just, uh, you don't have people asking you questions. When people don't ask me questions, I figure they don't have an interest in it. And yeah. I can't just give them the answer without the question. How could you not have an interest in the history of your Bible and go to church? <laughs> well, because those things can't exist anymore. They've been taught that, you know, they don't see them. And then plus, if they're interdimensional, like I was suggesting earlier, uh, and why have they found the bones or body or something like that, like a bear? Well, these things are more than a bear. They're very humanistic type beings, even though they look like a big gorilla. Uh, they, they. So you think you think that Bigfoot are the Nephilim? Well, I didn't say that. I, some of them may be a remnant of that. Uh, okay. Some of them might be because uh, some of them are uh, are not well intended. Uh, but then you got some people that say they are like the ones we dealt with up there. They did eat us. They didn't carry us away. They they really uh, seem to have uh, befriended us a little bit, even though the sounds sound very aggressive. Well, there's lots of there's lots of reports of people befriending them, like being rescued by them, being uh, yeah, yeah. I there mean, it is. yeah, it's and weird. So that's what I was trying to tell that guy I was talking to this morning. Uh, this, you know, some are good and some are bad. Just keep your guard up. You don't know until you start seeing more evidence of what they're doing. But he says he they don't, he doesn't they don't show himself to him, but they show themselves to his daughters, his two daughters, and his wife. Uh, that's hmm, big concerning yeah. to me. So I tried to tell him just don't let them go out by themselves, and I would suggest that anyway. I, Do you think they're friendlier in different areas, like geographical locations? You know, the ones in uh, around uh, or, uh, Oklahoma seem to be more aggressive. Some of them, and I know a person very well who who lives back there and had some encounters, and uh, they weren't aggressive at all. They were friendly, but then I've I've just some other people say they're killing their dogs and just. Of course, they will kill a dog if a dog goes out chasing them. Mm. I don't know. You know, it's hard to say what any of them thinking, but I do think there are different types of them. Uh, so, 
what they are and uh, what we were dealing with up there, maybe two different things. So in, in North America, at one point, you can have Native Americans, you can have settlers, you can have Sasquatch, you can have giants. Um, I mean, the, the ancient world sounds like the Lord of the Rings, but <laughs> and, and most people don't really want to admit that or, or accept that. I mean, when you're talking to these people at church, I mean, have you converted anybody? I mean, it sounds like in the beginning when you were talking, it sounds like you you didn't have religious beliefs, but now, but then is it just because you've come to a fuller understanding of the Bible, not not disregarding the Bible, I guess you could say? Oh, I had religious beliefs. I, I had uh, spiritual beliefs and religion. Uh, I was raised that way, so I was going to church then, and uh, me and Bill McDowell, my good friend, and uh, we were the packers, the horse people, and uh, we packed supplies in and out, did things like that, and uh, no, I, I I believed in the Bible. I just didn't know how to put it together. So that's what got me on my quest of uh, trying to figure it out, especially the, the strange strangeness that was going on around them. And um, that you still, I mean, we got evidence, uh, not just Dr. Curlin's report on showing they weren't speed up, slowed down, or manipulated in any way. You've got the uh, cryptolinguist Scott Nelson, who studied them in 2008, and yeah. He says they have a spoken language, and that's very important to me because only humans have that, according to Dr. Lieberman at Brown University. And Scott was with you in the 411 documentary when you were in there. Um, right. Yeah, he yeah, was in there with he you. Was. Uh, that's a good documentary. Someone wants to see a little bit about what went on up there. Uh, they actually recreated uh, an event we had in 2016, two years prior to that. And uh, it was about this light rod that goes floating by our tent. And you, if you've seen it, you've seen that. And they did a really good recreation of that. Uh, but we witnessed that. I witnessed it. And wow, what do you do with that? You know, it's intelligent. Something's manipulating that. It's not, there's nobody else. There's nobody messing with you up there. I mean, you're too far in the wilderness. Uh, no, it's uh, something strange up there and something strange in a lot of places. I've heard so many reports of strangeness. So I don't discard anybody. And I think that's why I get so many reports. So many people contacting me, want to know about this, that, and the other. So much of people are now opening up uh, when they hear me talk because they realize that you got to have an open mind. I got an open mind. I don't discard anybody. That don't mean I believe them, but it doesn't mean I'm going to throw them out the window of the baby so water either. You've done a ton of study, and this is pretty obvious, especially with your interviewing of. You know, scientists and, and the physicists and looking into quantum physics, you've got to distill all of this down into what, what you, your conclusions or, or most of your conclusions based on your studies and also your experiences. Your experiences really are so unbelievably unique um, to any space, but especially to this space. So if you had to distill it down and say that this is what I, this is what I believe now that after all my studies, after everything I've experienced personally um, and also listening to other people, you know, in their experiences, what, what would you, how would you distill that down? Well, I got a list of it. I actually got on my PowerPoint program, which I present in these conferences, but here it is. Uh, first of all, all Sasquatches are not of the same genome. Over eons, higher consciousness beings have manipulated the DNA of different entities. Over eons, many Sasquatches have crossbred with indigenous people, making some of them more human-like, dilution factor, and may have lost some of their original attributes. Sasquatch can, be, can move between the third, fourth dimensions so physically and uh, go into the fifth dimension, which is energy only, and their density will change. That's why the trackways will disappear. 
Now, this sounds way out there for some people, and I'm sure it could be to you guys. I don't know, but I, I do believe that's why you don't find bodies, uh, because if they if they do get in that pixelation change from mass to energy, uh, you won't see their tracks because their density will change. And uh, also, I think uh, some Sasquatch using their very advanced vocal mechanism can manipulate can manipulate their mass to energy via vibrational frequency, electric. Do you think that? Started to pipe in. Do you think the giants could do all this stuff too? I don't know. You mean the ancient giants of the old? Yeah. Well, it depends on who created them, what attributes they gave them. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I just don't know. Some things I don't know. Some things I do. Some things I don't. <laughs> no, I just think it's a thought. I just, I'm just wondering if, if, if they're building these megaliths, if they have this dimensional power, and the Sasquatch seem to have that too. Well, again, I don't think they're all the same. Uh, I just don't. Uh, when they're in the fifth dimension, which I think is where they mostly reside, it's energy only, they're able to mind speak with humans that are in the uh, same frequency. And that's the alpha theta state of awareness. That's where Tesla got a lot of his answers, stuff like that. You've got what I call, or what scientists call the pina gland inside your head. We all have that. And it's called by Egyptian mythology, the third eye. A lot of Indians say that, you know, where you, you can couple that third eye, which has all the attributes of an eyeball, except it doesn't need light. These two eyes we have on the front of our head need light to see, to make things real. Well, that doesn't, and you can receive information through that. And if you can couple that with, and get it decalcified, and get it to communicate with the other two eyes, and so you're aware of things. The most important thing right there, though, is your heart energy. Once your heart can um, be in correspondence and in vibrational frequency with your brain, get those two in coherence, and that's what the chakras are all about. And you put it all together and you, you're a balanced person and you will be aware of things. So when you're out in the woods and, and something says go right instead of left, even though the, the trail says left, you, you need to do what your heart's telling you to do. That's called a gut feeling. Right. And, and I think that's what we have to tune into. And that's what we've been given. We've been given that. And uh, when you pray, you're asking for something. When you meditate, you're trying to receive things. And I, I just believe in meditation. I think you're supposed to do that in order to grow and raise your vibrational frequency and a very important concept before we get off the air here and one thing i want to make sure i say is is everything is based in love and compassion if you can treat all your situations your your challenges everything with love and compassion you're going to be a higher vibrational person you're going to not be sick as often you're going to everything's going to get better for you so i, I want to make sure i get that out there because yeah. I believe that's the truth. It's all about love and compassion. And you got to get that instead of hurting people. If you don't say something nice, don't say something at all. Yeah, that's that old adage. I think all of our mothers said that, right? Yeah. If you have something nice to say, don't say anything at all. <laughs> that's yeah. right. Just be quiet. Yeah. So, well, my grandmother said that too. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> With the back of her hand sometimes. <laughs> it sounds like you know when people say you're putting what you're putting out into the universe. You've heard that said many times. And I think if you. You do. You are doing something when you put love out into the universe. Not like hippie love. Like you're legitimately tapped in to what's going on inside of you, and you're projecting that into the into the world. And I think good things do happen. I mean, just just getting you on this show, I feel is kind of a weird supernatural. <laughs> like I can't even explain it because because we needed someone to kind of connect all these dots that we've been going, and we're not trying to tell a specific narrative. It's just telling itself. 
And I was going to tell you that in the intro, like it's really interesting that you have all these connections to the Sasquatch, to the Giants, to these beings, because these are all the questions that are naturally coming up in our episode. And I'm like, who do I bring on this show to talk about this stuff? And sure enough, you show up out of nowhere. I just, I had a friend go, you should, you should try, you should try Ron. And I, and I sent you an email and you were, and you were available. And it was just, I don't know. We, we, we seem to see this show telling a story already and, I, I find it fascinating because I'm not. We're not trying to manipulate that story. It's just happening organically. Well, my passion for that and Lucas to get this information out. You know, I'm at the age now where uh, I don't care about ego. I'm not into that. I think that's why we have to make sure we tether. All of us have this ego thing. That's what makes us human. But you got to keep it tethered to. Uh, it's not money. It's not. It's not uh, anything other than I think this information. That may be the only reason this thing happened to me and the other guys up there is so that they would bring me to this where I'm at today talking to you guys and getting the information out because if it can just hook into some people, I'm going to be a happy guy. I, I want it to, to resonate and to uh, be a component of people's thinking and at least open their minds up to some things are going on that you don't see. There's a bigger picture. Sasquatch is part of that, but it's not, it's not the complete picture at all. There's, there's major things happening. For someone to think there's not aliens and not UFOs, in this day and time when all this information is out there is a little bit on the ludicrous side to me because even church people have got to open their minds up to this stuff that's happening and they're being seen they're being photographed they're they're you know when you got this commander in the navy who filmed this thing you know tic-tac uh, uh, ufo and it's it's beyond what we have the capability of doing and it kind of opened the files up it opened up all these files and you're, you're able to read these files and see what's going on. Is there some kind of warning that, like, you know, maybe these beings were s screwing with humanity, like you were saying earlier in the episode, they were creating these weird mm, creatures, like the with the dog heads and the and the lion faces? Are are these are these beings hostile? Are they going to screw with creation again? Well, it depends or, on which ones are doing it. <laughs> I think there is a cosmic war going on. Uh, more and more is going to happen. Uh, it's just. Uh, because it seems like Christians are in the church. There, there's almost like this belief in God and belief in nothing else. There's really little supernatural connection. They go on Sunday. They think for thirty minutes a week about some supernatural stuff. And I think when you see a Sasquatch, your whole life changes. It's like you just suddenly walk out of Walmart consumerism and you walk into this other world that you never knew existed. And I think you have to ask these bigger questions about your spirituality. I'm thinking about this stuff all the time, almost to the, where I had to just get a get a show going to talk about it because it's like good for you, good for you. Uh, do you know what the uh, what was happening in the days of Noah prior to the days of Noah? You know, the fallen ones have been breeding with the human genome and making the Nephilim, the giants. Right. Well, that's what was happening, right? That's what caused the flood. Christ said, "As it was in the days of Noah, so it should also be." Mm -hmm. Well, think about that. You know, I'm talking about LA down in, and Brian down in, <laughs> down in Peru. Where is in Cusco? Cusco? Yeah, up in the mountains there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I said, you know, it's, it's, I think it's Luke 17, 35 or 21, somewhere in there. It says, as it was in the days of Noah. Christ was saying this. So yeah. I started looking back in the days of Noah, what it was like in the days of Noah. And that's why I said that to them, because giants were coming, or aliens were coming, fallen ones. Inbreeding, messing with the genome. Uh, they were showing themselves. They were, that's the second coming. So I think we're all due for an age of enlightenment right now. We're in it. And uh, 
I think that's what the Mayan 2012 calendar was all about. It, it's opening it up to a new awareness coming on. And I think more and more people are hooking into what we're talking about right now. I think what I think is interesting, Nate and Ron, on this is that I think a lot of what I see in differences between, you know, even sex and fat and factions of people that believe in this is really just semantics, right? You're calling one thing, you want to call the same thing one thing, and someone else wants to call the same thing another thing, whether you call and that that the semantics in and of itself is really becomes a stumbling block when a lot of the times we're just talking about some of the same things. Exactly. We just happen to call them different. We just happen to use different terms for them. But I, I you know, know what no, you're saying yeah. right now is so on it because when I'm in conferences and talking to hundreds of people, I, I, I have to watch what I'm saying. If I say, well, Jesus said this, something like that, you see all these people start crossing their arms. Oh, he's a religious guy, you know, and then they, they got, kicked, yeah, 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 they got yeah. kicked out of church when they were little because they said something wrong. Well, I, I try to stay away from that. I say, oh, well, somebody said 2,000 years ago this, this, and this would happen. Well, I don't say who it is because I don't want I don't want to I try to not alienate people with my words uh, in the semantics that you're talking about because it's so true. Yeah, very true. Good point. Well, we talked about that on our last episode with Fritz that like you you, you can't not believe bring what you believe into the conversation. It's just going to come out because Bigfoot's a gateway drug. It opens up all this stuff, and if you don't, I, I don't know how you can go through life and. And especially do a show on um, alternate information, alternate science, and not bring in because honestly, every single person, every single guest so far has has alluded to the Bible, their beliefs in it. It's almost like most most of these people they see these creatures and they they have to go more towards the Bible, not further away from it. Has that been your experience? Well, uh, some people do. Uh, if they really delve into Bible and interpretations of it because so much has been and this is another thing that people just can't handle in churches is there has been some alterations in the bible and because you got the statement in galatians that says don't change a word of this or you're going to go to hell you know don't change a word don't change a word so you can't say this you can't say that but words have been changed they, they, you know you can see these manuscripts most of the most of the five books of moses they call it there's taken from the sanskrit you know from from that you can read the sanskrit and find out that the stories are, are pretty much parallel. So what's the Sanskrit all about? Uh, you just got to delve into trying to understand it. And uh, there's just so much going on. Like I say, Christ, in my opinion, did his, did his miracles through the laws of physics. And he was saying, we can do all that stuff too, but we're not doing it. So we have not evolved to what we got to be involved in. It's clearly based on love and compassion. Like I said before, if you get into that and start responding to that, every issue that you got in life, no matter what it is, no matter what it is, you gotta you gotta be happy about it because we've been challenged with all this stuff for a reason, and the reason is to see how we respond to it. I think so. it's. I just think it's very interesting. I think the whole thing is very interesting. Even like I was gonna say, Ron, opened my mind in some ways to understand that like. Quantum physics, I never really thought about it in this parallel, though, and, and using quantum physics to actually quantify and explain the things that, that are unexplainable, right? And I, I think you're, you're right with Tesla and some of these other, the other great academic minds and thinking minds. But if you look at things that we consider, things you talk about like miracles and things that are, are unexplainable and phenomena, those things do, you can measure and can explain in some ways it would seem with quantum physics, right? Which I think is fascinating, not only in this discussion of, you know, Bigfoot and cryptids and, and, and the like, but also just in explaining the unexplained as we all walk through 
you know, our lives. And, and there are things that we can't explain that happen, right? It happened to us, happened to people around us, happened. And yet it's, it's only non-quantifiable within Newtonian physics. If you look outside of that, you're able to actually put, you actually can kind of put labels on things and explain and explain to some measure things. And that's where Einstein was going with his work as well to explain some of these things that we consider to be unexplainable, whether it be dark matter and things that, that, that fill up and occupy what we would consider to be space. Or if you're talking about things that happen in dimensionally, um, as, as a way to quantify miracles. Let me read your quote by Tesla. Can I do that right quick? Yeah. The day science begins to study non-physical phenomena, it will make more progress in one decade than in all the previous centuries of his existence. Tesla said that. He also said, what one man calls God, another man calls the laws of physics. Well, those are kind of unique statements. Uh, also, Dr. Edgar Mitchell, you know, the astronaut, he believed in, mm-hmm. he believed in uh, aliens and, well, let me say fallen angels. <laughs> there are no unnatural yeah. or supernatural phenomena, only very large gaps in our knowledge of what is natural. We should strive to fill those gaps of ignorance. It takes classical and quantum sciences together to have clear perception. So you got you can't ignore Newtonian physics because we live in a three-dimensional yeah. world, so we got to live with that. But there's more. People say, well, you believe in flesh and blood or you believe they're ape? Well, I used to say there's two camps. There's ape camp over here and the flesh and blood camp over here. Or flesh and blood is the ape camp. Then you got the spiritual. Yeah. Uh, no, they don't have to be separate at all because they are flesh and blood. They poop, they procreate, they, they eat, they do well. <clears throat> well, what some people would call heaven, religious people would call and uh, scientists would call that physics, and I would call that another dimension because you change forms and you're yeah. spiritual, which we all are, or if you're religious, you'll call it heavens. But again, uh, a physicist would call it another dimension because you cannot die. Your, your energy cannot die. That's right, because energy is neither created nor destroyed. Correct. Yeah, and, I, and, and uh, we have to go after this, but my last question was just, what I asked earlier was, do you think, there, the Bible talks about people believing strong delusions. And my last question is, do you believe that, that some of these people are being influenced to not believe in this, these, these realms? To, yeah, they're believing lies, so to speak. They're, they're, they're being influenced to not see this stuff. It's there. The evidence is there, and they're being in, it's like they can't see it. They haven't been taught. They've been taught that if you can't see it, it's not material, it's not physical, it's measurable, predictable. That's all that exists. Well, that's not true. That's Newtonian physics uh, in a box. But you get into modern physics, only a little over 100 years old, and uh, I don't think it's they're being deceived. They just haven't been taught. And um, that's my opinion anyway. Uh, Yeah. So Hmm. I think uh, it's important what I was saying earlier about having the uh, connection with your heart and your mind so that those are in connection with each other so that your feelings can go up to your brain. But it's also important that your brain is seen with the the third eye, the information eye that's inside your head, the pineal gland. And when you got that, you're going to know when you're being deceived because it's just going to be revealed. You know, when you see some people, you say, oh, I don't think I want to deal with that guy. Or you see this person over there. Yeah, yeah, let's talk. Well, there's yeah. something inside of you telling you that. We're all telepathic, really, if you really want to get into the vibration of things. We mm-hmm. just haven't learned how to decalcify that, that inner gland that we got there. We do that through our diets and through things like that. And uh, you just got to learn how to be one with the Father as Christ was one with the Father. Mm-hmm. That's what he prayed for wow. in John. Well, yeah. I mean, Ron, we got to have you back on the show. I wish we could keep talking. 
<laughs> yeah, Ron, that was a that was awesome, man. Well, you guys take care, and thanks for having me on today. Well, real quick, is there anywhere you would like to? Uh, I think people are curious; they want to find you and they want to learn more. Well, it's ronmorehead.com. That's one o m o r e h e a d dot com, and that's my website. And uh, I have a Facebook page. I, I'm on uh, uh, Instagram. I I uh, I have two books, uh, Quantum Bigfoot, and also my first book, which is Voice in the Wilderness. It's my chronicle of doing this for 40-some odd years. I have two CDs that I've recorded that uh, I've produced, I mean, and they're both about 40 minutes long with the integrated, integrated uh, sounds that we've recorded inside them, giving you the, the story behind it. Ron, thank you so much for uh, coming on our show, dropping the knowledge, and uh, clarifying some of those terms that people get <laughs> confused hey, with. Yeah, thanks, Ron. And Nate, we can't let Ron go without you. He, Nate's really been practicing the chattering noise, and he likes to do <laughs> imitations when we get our guests off the air, when it's just me and him. Uh, you don't want to. You don't want to do it for Ron. No, man. I'm sure Ron's. I'm sure Ron's better at that, that chattering. <laughs> no, <than that>. yeah. <laughs> oh man. All right, guys. What, you, what did you What did you call it? What did you call it, Ron? You call it like samurai speak or something? Oh, like that's that? what the, actually my moneymaker coined that in 1995, just before he started the BFRO. Um, he coined the samurai. He sounds like a samurai cry, and sure enough, I've samurai that, cry. That uh, term stuck with it. Yeah. Uh, but the, oh, the wow. second one uh, is my probably most exciting night, 1974, and that was when I uh, saw one, and that's when they were dealing with us outside and. Really, I thought the next day we was going to ride on their shoulders and see the forest like we've never seen it before, but it didn't happen. <laughs> Man. Yeah, we got to have you back on and, and, yeah. and talk more about this stuff because it's fascinating. I appreciate it. Sorry it was such a uh, cluster trying to get this whole episode recorded. <laughs> it's fine. Yeah, electronics don't really like Bigfoot. Let's just say that. Like every time no, we they try don't to talk like giants. More giants. Every time we talk about the giants, something happens. It's weird. I can't even explain it. It's <laughs> just, I don't know. Well, thank so. you, Ron. Thank you. Thanks, Ron. Good to meet yeah. you guys. Very nice to meet you. Good to meet you, you as well. So appreciate your time. Yeah, Thank you. Absolutely. Take care. <laughs>